Hey everybody, it's good to see you all again. This segment is just to kind of let you guys know what is going on in this episode. So in this episode, there is a situation um, towards the end or anywhere in this episode, there is a blank. That means there's no sound coming in the episode. And you might think that is your fault. That is my fault. You can blame me, say it was my fault because that is editing problem and that's because of recording and the recording platform that I use. If that happens to be in the in the episode, if that's in it, um, what you need to do is to just disregard it. Don't worry about it. Consider it like an ad break. Consider it like a break. Consider it like we're taking a five-minute break. Consider it like that. So no freaking out. No need to worry. Make sure you guys enjoy the episode. Enjoy what's in it. And y'all have a good one. And enjoy this one. Really enjoy it and have fun. And please disregard the blanks in there because other than breaks. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And thank you guys for understanding and for your cooperation. Everybody, uh, welcome to a brand new episode. Today's me, today's me and Jack again with a with an amazing artist. He's incredible, and he even has his own band. And I'm just so excited. Say it to the world. Hey, this is Robert Andrew Wagner of the Little Wretches. Hello out there, wrap it out fans. <laughs> hey yo. So, is there anything uh, you'd like to say, uh, starting off to the audience at all, before we get into questions? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the audience, so uh, I'm not kind of mm-hmm. what, sure what questions really just, they have. But the I'm audience can be, uh, the audience is just like uh, listening, they're listening to get information about the artist. So, is there any information you'd like to say before we get into the questioning, just any basic rundown? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I've just always had this sense from uh, the time I was young that, you know, uh, the things that make me tick, I like to write, I like to perform, I like to teach. Uh, I teach through stories and I tell stories through songs. Uh, That's what I do. Um, The name of my project, my lifelong project, I've been doing this since the mid 80s. Uh, it's called The Little Wretches. You know, you've probably heard the old old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet thou art to save a wretch like me. Uh, blessed are the meek. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're the voice of those who have no voice. We identify with those who don't belong anywhere, but got to find a way to make their way in the world, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I get that. Now, yeah, I, see, uh... I see, like, musically, you know, even though... I work through the song format and music. I feel of, of of the artists that I know, I'm most akin with like a theater guy like August Wilson, a playwright like, like August Wilson. Uh, you know, I in the world of pop music where people are just listening to music to make themselves feel good and say, hey, why don't you just take drugs? You know, if you want to feel good, there's a thousand other ways to do it. We're We're here to change your life, touch your soul, you know. Yeah, I get that, and I wanna I wanna touch on uh, the thing you said. You said you've been doing this since the since the eighties or like mid eighty mid eighties. You yeah, I've probably been doing it longer than you guys have been alive. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I was now born there's, in, uh, there was, I was born this thing that happened. So yeah, there there was this thing that happened called punk rock. I'm sure I'm sure you've heard it. Oh yeah, seen of course. Pictures of it. it, but uh, I mean, there was a time, and and it's interesting because punk rock and hip hop started at approximately the same time like the music now this is before the days of cell phones and and everybody having a laptop computer and everybody being one click away from every other person in the world this was when uh the entertainment industry had become like a dinosaur huge and people like us were completely locked out and you had to find a do-it-yourself kind of thing now I'm sure you yeah. know that like hip hop started in, in like parking lots and community centers in the Bronx. You know, yeah, pop definitely. rock started with kids that that couldn't get into regular clubs. You know, they couldn't even afford guitars. So it was a, a completely 
do it yourself. We refuse to be shut down. We're going to find a way to do our thing. And uh, so I, you know, I always wanted to be a performer, but I didn't know anybody in, in entertainment. Uh, you know, how do you get in? How do you get your foot in the door? And punk rock was like an invitation. Hey, you're welcome here. You can do it. I never really, you know, like for a lot of people, punk rock, it was all about haircuts and clothing styles, but it was really a very open door, bring what, what you do to the party. And uh, so that gave me the chance to get started, just kind of discover what I'm good at and, you know, choose a path. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, the punk path and the hip hop path kind of went the same way in, in fr- from the point of view of the entertainment industry a lot of the major artists and you know upstart labels were purchased by the big entertainment conglomerates like Sony and whatsoever and you know that kind of stuff but uh you know there's still that do it yourself you know that do that do do it yourself movement where i have something to say i'm going to say it and i'm going to find a way to to reach people uh yeah for sure um one thing uh it's really interesting talking to people who were alive, like, uh, <laughs> you started, uh, I, who were alive long before me, you started, uh, doing this thing 15 years before I, uh, was ever alive, and I'm about to turn 15 this year, so it's about, fuck, I don't know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, good for you getting on board this early, you know, because a lot of... What, what, you know, when I was 15, I knew that I wanted to do this, but I had no idea how to start. And here you are, you're 15 and you're already doing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's just the uh, the tools available to me. Uh, a lot of a lot of music, the tools available to me, like uh, YouTube and uh, shit like that. It's just it's crazy to think, like uh, put into perspective, like uh, how quick things advance just uh comparing 20 years 20 years ago now compared to 20 years ago compared to 20 years ago which would be 40 years ago compare 40 years ago to 20 years ago it's just it's just yeah. uh things are progressing very fucking yeah. quickly at all you know yeah. like yeah. at all fronts yeah. well you know okay this this might be a little bit off topic for you but uh, oh, yeah. you know i've learned in, in the course of my study of, of the field there was a time, you know, like when the major form of public entertainment was the radio. And there was a time when it was against the law to play recorded music on the radio. All music on the radio had to be performed live. And when the radio uh, stations got started playing recorded music, musicians went on strike because they felt like the radio was putting live musicians out of work. Uh, of course, now we all depend on streaming and connectivity to, to get our product out there. But once, once upon a time, live musicians, they, they were actually against the whole broadcast industry because it was pulling money out of their pockets. Yeah. It's just uh, the way things evolve, I guess. Like nothing will stay the same forever. <laughs> like uh, be, now I know this may sound crazy, but I've been uh, using the internet on and off since I was about uh, five years old in 2011 when I first started watching YouTube and like dwelling the internet, that type of shit. And uh-huh. just compared to how things have changed from 2011 to now, looking back, there's even like uh, old YouTube channels I had from like five years ago. And just seeing how things change that quickly, just imagine how uh, quickly things changed back then. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine, you know, who who knows where it's all going to lead. Yeah. Like, even in 10, 10 years from now, just imagine, like, the technological advances and shit like that. Just, uh... Yeah, well, I mean, everybody's talking about virtual reality and, uh... Next year, you know, I AI. not next year. Next 10 years, we're going to be able to fucking, like, plug our brains into computers or some shit. That's a joke, but what if? Well, have you seen the movie uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I think uh, I, I've, I think I watched like uh, is that different from the one with Arnold? Like uh, like the yeah, okay yeah yeah so completely yeah, okay the the Arnold series was different. The original Blade Runner 
is one of the great science fiction movies. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, you know, dystopian set in the future uh, where where there's been a new artificial form of life that is so big, human, like... they don't even know that they're artificial. And then the, the sequel, you know, which is made like 30 years later, Blade Runner 2049, uh, it's really, I mean, it's, it's sort of what you're talking about. It, it's a it's a very realistic glimpse of what it could be, you know, day after tomorrow with with technology advancing the way it is, uh, where you're not even sh- you're not sure if the people you're interacting with are real or artificial, and the artificial people don't even know if they're real or artificial, but they're all yearning for something better. They're all yearning for you know a longer life and a meaningful life. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really kind of moving, and if you haven't seen it, man, it, it, see the see it, if if Blade Runner attached to it, you need to watch it. Yeah, um, funny thing, I used to be a big like uh, I used to be a big like uh, whatever it is, like film buff, like movie watcher, whatever term you prefer. I used to watch mm-hmm. a lot of fucking movies, especially like uh, I 80s films, 90s films, and like uh, stuff before that. Like I I went through a phase where I only watched films from the 30s and 40s and shit because I was snobbish like that. But Oh, that really for gave you. me uh <laughs> that really gave me uh, a lot of like knowledge on movies and references and stuff like that. I used to be a big like uh Arnold fan. I I wanted to watch all of his movies. I think uh I watched all the Terminators up to Terminator 4. Uh so 1 okay. 2 and 3. I watched Kindergarten Cop, watched Blade Runner. Uh what was that one? Uh well, the one about the red planet, what was that? One oh, called? yeah, Total that Recall, one Total Recall yeah. and uh, what's the one where he's like running in a race? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name. but <laughs> Yeah, but the uh, point is, I watched a lot of Arnold movies, yeah. so. Yeah, well, good. That's good. Yeah. Okay, now you're talking about some, some classic oddball movies. Did you ever come across uh, in, in your studies, did you ever come across a German movie called Wings of Desire? That's the American movie name wings of desire no but i have come across like an old uh, german film called m if you remember that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched the german version like with subtitles and, and geez it was, it was pretty well you know that that's that's the thing it, you know if you're involved in music uh storytelling and film is just so sophisticated and and it's it's as even as popular entertainment it's way more sophisticated than what you get in music. Uh, I would find like that... to say, like, uh, each take their uh, own respective skill sets. Like, take somebody who's experienced on front of the camera and, uh, like, experienced in acting and put them in front of, like, a bunch of instruments, force them to make a song, and vice versa. I don't think it'll go well. Like, each takes their own specific skills. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. But some of those guys that, that we know as actors, uh, yeah, they're they 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 have more talent in the tip of their finger. They they could be actors, they could be singers. They oh, they yeah. you know. Although there are like a uh, great examples of uh, why people who do one thing probably shouldn't go into another. Uh, like actors trying to get into music and musicians trying to get into acting and uh, yeah. stuff like that. I could probably name one. This this will probably ruffle a few feathers. Eddie Murphy. Oh my! I remember Eddie Eddie Murphy had like a music career, and he made like a a song with Rick James or something like "Party All the Time." My girl likes to party all the time. I remember it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. (laughs) You yeah, you probably remember that. It it warms my heart to know that you sneer at it because uh, there when it came out, it was quite popular. <laughs> uh man, it's just a uh, funny looking back at what was popular back then, and even though like uh, even though there's some stuff that even now if we go into like forty years into the future we'll be laughing at, it's still fun. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing I am nostalgic about from from those days though. There, I don't know if you've ever listened to any early Run DMC or any of the stuff from like the early movies. Oh, yeah, I've watched. Like, I'm not watched. I've listened to a couple Run DMC songs, and yeah. I think uh, I think I know a tiny bit about them. Not a whole lot, but yeah. yeah. Well, the, the for the general public, right, right, like I, I can remember 
hearing the first time I heard, you know, the first time I heard a hip hop song, it was on the radio driving through Baltimore when I was pretty young. Uh, I don't even think it had a name. We kind of knew, oh, so this must be what they're talking about, rap music. But the general public was largely introduced to hip hop and rap music through movies. The movie Colors, the soundtrack to Colors, the movie New Jack City, you know, the soundtrack to New Jack City, later Hustle and Flow, uh, Eight Mile. And, you know, the soundtracks to those movies um, yeah. were many people's introduction to hip hop. Uh, and, you know, for me, because I'm an outsider to, to that scene, but I was also uh, working as a substitute teacher in uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools when New Jack City came out. And, uh, you know, the, the kids, you know, knew every line of the movie, knew every word to every every song in the in the show. Uh, that's you know film again it's popular i put it out there and you know i mean there was a time when every kid i knew wanted to grow up to be a rapper ah geez i mean i i'm in an environment where the same thing everybody i know wants to be a rapper not in real life but everybody i meet online because i really hang around circles uh and groups of friends where like people are trying to make it in music like legitimately Uh, I have a lot of talented friends who are probably way better than I am, but uh, don't get recognized as much. And that's just things are got to work for it, you know? Well, absolutely. I mean, the most talented people I know aren't even practicing their art because they don't have a stomach for the business. You know, that's hey, if, if you're looking for a pat on the back, you will occasionally get one, but you're going to get beat down a lot more times. If you have any quit in you, you might as well not even start. Yeah. I think uh, there are many ways, like uh, like there's more ways now to get to the end goal of like uh, an abstract like concept fame and like uh, or whatever. Like uh, there's many more ways to get to what people would call fame. Uh, in many other ways, through YouTube, through either traditional means, or through like a lot of other ways. Yeah, yeah, but you know that that, that you know, that's the proverbial two-edged sword. Because if what you're seeking is fame, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing to become famous for something, but it wasn't what you att- intended. Like you had you had something you were trying to put across, and somehow you became remembered for for being misunderstood people totally misunderstood yeah. what you did you know so so i think so, uh, that's like a, a big connotation with uh one hit wonders instead of pe- people who along like uh the years like build a fan base like uh it's that's very common with people who blow up for one song and not through like a combination of uh combination of like years of work and like slowly gaining a fan base because i i can name a lot of examples of people who blew up off of one song and then their entire like uh existence as an artist is just based around that one song if you remember the example probably asher roth you'll probably remember him he blew up Uh the song i love college and people thought he was just like a frat rapper and that type of shit but i took a listen to a lot of his other music and like shit was pretty good like uh maybe not the best but like uh it's like uh, goes a little bit deeper than i love college yeah well i mean i i'm thinking what if if you're if you're an art if you're serious about what you're doing and you have something to say you want to create a body of work you know so by the time you're my age you could point back to a body of work and hope that you know one song might lead people to to get in there and it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea but for some people they're going to end up listening to everything you ever recorded reading everything you ever wrote they're going to get into it uh and that's yeah, that's definitely. really who I'm, I'm i'm shooting for the the casual casual listener i mean yeah i mean you might get a few streams off them may may you know make a buck here or there but really what you're looking for are the the people who love what you do you know that's and, and you got to be able to stick there Stick out there long enough, be consistent enough for people to find you. And yeah, now with, with the technology, it is possible for people to find you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of things on the Internet are just uh, are just like it takes one person 
to find it and share it around and then that could start a chain of like people discovering shit like it's way uh it's way easier now for uh for a lot of different things to happen like uh it's way easier to make music it's way easier to get recognized just everything's so much easier right now because everything is so much more accessible you can like pick up a daw you can like download a beat off of youtube and you can just record yeah. like anything you want yeah yeah well yeah well of course it, it's it's a little you know this disappointing a little bit too you know because you know I, I work with at-risk kids and uh i don't know takashi 69 put out something in the past year that like within a day of it being released it had six million views on youtube and it's like you're kidding me six million views in one day uh what have i done wrong with my life you know and, and, mainly and, and, it's just uh outrage like people like six nine who operate off of outrage and nothing else like i don't see them being like uh as popular as they are for as long as they are because like uh, I, I was telling a lot of my friends a lot uh, like a while ago like uh after six nine like uh got out and he released uh i forgot what the song's name was that's that's to the point where i don't even remember like his first single out but when a lot of people were telling me six nine six nine's a uh, great he's gonna stay around for a long time it's just i keep telling people no <laughs> people who do not like are who are not solely known off of their music and only known off the off of their instagram antics like they're not gonna last forever and that came like uh to, that came true when his album came out got absolutely fucking panned and i didn't hear anything from him for a long time nobody heard anything from him for a long time like people took their eyes off of him stopped paying attention and wow he's still able to get like a sizable amount of views probably not as much you yeah. know since the hype has died down yeah but he's still he's still so huge you yeah know, still, like, still like, huge like still probably bigger than like 60 uh, percent of artists you know like yeah but it's, it's, it's like a baby sitting in, in you know in the high chair you know i want to get my mommy's attention so i spill my milk you know, there are things that you can do to get people's attention, but then it's counterproductive. If, if you have something that you believe is serious to say and you want to say it, uh, those types of tactics end up being uh, counter to your message. So, yeah. you know, you, got, you just got to do what you believe in with all your might and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. I want to get into a uh, want to get into another conversation. Uh, okay. Another question since we've had like a a long like a, a long conversation. I want to ask like a a couple more questions. Who are your biggest like uh, inspirations in terms of like your music like uh or anything else like that you uh take pride in? Who do you take inspiration from? Most oh man, that that that's that's really hard because uh, like what 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 inspires me uh Okay, you know, you're probably looking for some something that the audience knows. But, you know, I see little glimmers all the time just just on, you know, from anonymous people going about their lives who have absolutely nothing to gain by doing the right thing. You know, what, we, what I would consider the right thing, but do it anyhow, like a, a selfless act that they gain nothing from, but they see something needs to be done or something ought to be done. And they just do it uh, and get no thanks or reward from it. Uh, you know, I, I see that kind of stuff all the time. And, and I mean, this is a, a real mild example. Uh, but but I was I was catching football with some, with some kids, you know, and I work with, you know, at risk kids, I think I mentioned. And so one kid doesn't can't throw the ball without you know, he has no control on how much velocity comes out of out of his throw. So I made the rule, he can only throw it to me because I, I know he's not going to hurt me. And then there's a girl who's afraid of the ball. And so I made a rule, I'm the only one who can throw it to her because I know how to throw it to her without hurting her. And then one of the kids in the group says, hey, he can throw to me and I can throw to her because he just understood, you know, you have to adjust. If you want to be part of the group, you have to adjust to the needs of the people in your group. And, you know, I see stuff like that all the time. I, I get it. just people doing the right thing for for no personal gain, except for they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And then, then like in, in the arts, 
you know, I take a lot of inspiration from a, a playwright like August Wilson. I don't know if you, you know the story of August Wilson, but uh, he and th- this whole generation of writers from Pittsburgh, uh, b- black, black writers, just stopped going to school and instead of going to school, went to the library. And August Wilson used to walk around with his little notepad. He'd be sitting in coffee shops or sitting in bars and just writing all the time, just taking in all the environment around him. And, you know, and then ends up being like the the Shakespeare of the 20th century in the United States. Uh, One of his buddies, he started a theater company called Black Horizons Theater with one of my teachers. The, The teacher's name was Rob Penny. Rob Penny just quit going to school went to the library and read every book there was about Africa and went on to become the head of the black studies department at the university of Pittsburgh, totally self-taught. And that, that's what's insp- inspirational to me where people who ha- have these, what would seem to be insurmountable obstacles and they just do their own thing and find their own way and end up having, you know, a profound measure of success. Uh, yeah. You know, definitely. they just won't be stopped, won't be stopped. Yeah, it's always that's a different uh, that's a different answer than what most people give. Most people would just say my music is inspired by this artist. I take from this artist style a little bit, uh, but that's a very interesting answer. And uh, I think we may need a couple answers like that from time to time. You know, <laughs> you know, if I had to say, like, uh, in in a more similar context to what you're talking about, what inspired my music, it's really nothing else other than myself and how much i want to like release music like get stuff done how good it feels to just uh write stuff ex- well because yeah. uh yeah. like uh can't really speak because i don't have the life experience that you have to speak more in depth on the types of stuff you're talking about if you have what i'm saying yeah yeah but Another question I think that could uh, give a good that you could give a good answer to. Well, this possibly for the older uh, people on the podcast, usually they just uh, go with the job they're working now. But if you weren't uh, making music or doing anything arts related, what would be your other passion or what would be like your other? Oh, man. Well, you see, that's. You know, when I when I was growing up, it's it fright the 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 thought of being an adult scared me because, you know, from my point of view, most adults are miserable. They spend their days doing things that they don't want to do to make money, to pay for things that they don't need. You know, you know, they just get caught on this hopeless treadmill. And I could think of nothing more miserable than spending your life doing something that you didn't want to do. I I was, you know, another weird thing about me that sets me apart from other people is when I was 19 years old, I got cancer. I was in college and the type of cancer I got uh, at the time was considered uh, terminal, but they had just come up with a new uh, experimental treatment. I was lucky enough to have doctors who knew about it and it worked. And I remember the night before my big surgery, just kind of, you know, at that point I would have considered myself an atheist, but you know, I'm praying and saying, you know, Hey, if, if I get to live, I will never once in my life do anything that I don't want to do or do anything that I don't believe in. So, and all I ever really wanted to do was write, teach and perform, you know, and, and again, I teach through writing and performing. So if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't making music, I would be teaching and performing in some other way. I, and and I've, I've been lucky enough. I was when I was like in my 20s, I was able to tread water long enough to, to find a way to do it. And so now, I mean, there is no separation between my life and my work. You know, some people yeah. wake up dread dreading going to work. It's like, oh, man, my, and people say, oh, you, are you going to go on vacation? Are you kidding me? My life is a vacation. You know, I, I, I have fun every moment of every day, um, you know, and I don't mind challenges. You know, some people, you know, they don't like hardship. It's like, man, overcoming hardship. That's my business. You know, come on, bring it on. Uh, you know, th- by the grace of God, my life is pretty easy now. But, uh, 
Yeah. You know, you got you to gotta find a way. If, if there's something that you want to do, just got to do it. And, and, and the blessings will come, you know. If, yeah. if you, what you don't want to do, second guess yourself. Give yourself, a, you know, the proverbial, he, he's on the trapeze without a safety net. You give yourself a safety net, guaranteed you will fall back on it. You got to fly without a net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the one big thing that I that I fear, like uh, as you said, is like uh, getting stuck in a in a kind of cycle of like doing a job that I don't want to do, getting money to pay for things that I don't want to pay for. And my biggest dream is to be able to like uh, make money off of like uh, what I love doing, being able to uh, sustain live a. Sustaining life off of making music and or doing other creative ventures. Just uh, I generally wanna, I generally wanna live off of being creative. That's a big thing for me. And uh, I have a long while, and by a long while, <laughs> I'm talking like uh, maybe four years until I'm an adult, eighteen. Uh, four years to work and uh, find opportunities and to take them, and especially like now more than ever. Like, uh, as the pandemic goes on, like, uh, things are possibly getting better. Things are, like, possibly opening up. Nothing's for certain. That's why I'm saying possibly. But as things get better, like, a lot of a lot more opportunities are opening up. And as summer vacation arises, or arrives, rather, I have a lot of time to uh, make a lot of improvements and find a lot of opportunities and or just make a lot of connections. It's just a matter of... Uh, of how much work you're willing to put in. Yeah. Yeah. You have the right attitude. That's because that's right. You're, 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 you're in the phase of your life where you're opening doors and creating opportunities so that if you do ever have to make a choice, which door do I walk through? You're not walking through ignorant. You chose, you know, you know what's out there and you're doing what you love, you know? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, musically, uh, you haven't talked in a while. Yeah. Is, is there any questions you'd like to ask? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm on the kind of go. Um, actually, to your music, I want to co- go into because Jack kind of um asked a lot of the general question I was going to go into. Um, I'm kind of going into your music, so I wanted to ask firstly, um, what's your creative process like? How do you write a song? Man, it just comes to me, you know. Uh, you know, I've had songs. You know, a lot of a lot of times it'll be either when I'm driving or when I'm walking. You know, so it usually happens when I'm alone. Uh, and I've had songs come to me fully formed. You know, like it just comes to me, and and it's and it's like it was handed to me from you know from a, you know from the spirit world or something. And then other times, you know, I'll, I'll pick up my guitar and I'll just start playing. And something comes out and, and it just and, and, and there's there's this feeling in the same way that you get hungry and, you know, OK, it's time for me to eat. Uh, I don't know how this is for other people, but for me, have you know, there, there's this feeling that I have that I just say, OK, it's time for me to write. Uh, I have right now something's coming to me. I have something to say. And uh, and, and when that happens, then it's time to drop everything, get away from everybody and write. Uh, and then, you know, so, and there, there are times where I'll start with fragments and I'll have a little fragment, of, let's say a musical phrase or a lyrical phrase, but it's incomplete. It's not done. And I might sit on that for, you know, I'll try to work it into things for a long time. It might take years before I find a way to use it that's yeah. right for it. Uh, you know, so and you guys are young, so, you, you know, you, you can't. You might have an idea right now that you're not going to put into practice for another 15 or 20 years. Uh, but it, the idea, if it's good, it's not going to go away. Uh, yeah. So that's that's how, that's how it works for me. It, it, I don't know where it comes. Yeah, just uh... happen naturally. Doing it long enough will uh, make things a lot more natural to you. At first, when you're uh, doing music and shit like that, um, it can like feel like every idea 
that you're making and like coming up with, it like takes a bunch of work in order to turn that into something you can listen to. But as time goes on, you start doing music more, you start getting more comfortable doing it. Like things start to come more naturally. And with skills, uh, did I, I pronounce that weird with skills comes the ability <laughs> to put your, uh, put your ideas into a more tangible thing you can do, like uh, listen to or look at if it's like a drawing and or like any other type of art or uh, self-expression. Oh, yeah. Well, like, like when I, w I was a kid and I first started playing the guitar, and I'd hear about these musicians that practiced six hours or eight hours a day. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and there's your mom making you practice a half hour a day. And it feels like an eternity. But then once you build up your vocabulary uh, and you realize, use it or lose it, I need to practice this. Yeah, I might end up practicing six or eight hours a day. And then after you've done that for long enough, you no longer need to do it because you've internalized all those skills. It's, it's you know, second nature to you. And with writers, you have uh, writing instructors that will tell you, write every day like, but i don't have any, i don't have anything to say every day yeah but get in the habit of writing every day so that when it is time to write those pathways of your brain are open like they're trained they're like muscles you you're, you're you've trained in advance so that when it's time to use them you have them to use uh, so you know you got to practice you got to put in the time but it really comes down to inspiration. So you're, you're training your mind and your body so that when inspiration strikes, you can honor that inspiration. Yeah, for sure. That's, mm -hmm. that's really good advice. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, that leads into a next, the next question that I'm asking. I'm not going to ask that now, but I'm going to rather expand, and then I'm going to ask the question. Just uh, a lot of times when, uh, when I was starting off, like I've been rapping for – about three years uh this year will mark like the third year that i've been writing rap at all and and a lot of time like uh, a lot of what you speak of about uh getting in the habit of writing a lot and uh practicing so when you do have a lot of ideas when you do get good it's like more natural and like stuff like that like me starting off and going to where i am now i can like uh i'm still been a uh, I've been rapping for a short enough time and I'm young enough to where I physically can recall like uh, the kind of shit you're talking about. And uh, it is really like a uh, really good advice to anybody out there who, uh, who feels like uh, they can't write anything or feels like that they're going through writer's block. Just uh, I have a lot of friends who go through writer's block and a lot of things mm -hmm. There's a lot of things I tell them, and uh, keep writing is one thing, but uh, you never want to stop writing because if you stop writing, you might lose experience because I've went through periods where, like, I'm lucky enough, I've went through periods where I haven't written all too much for, like, three-month time periods, but I've still been writing occasionally and been practicing enough to the point where I was still improving, and... So when the three months was up, I came up with a lot of ideas. I was able to get stuff done quickly because I kind of got out of writer's block. You know? mm -hmm. So uh, that leads into the next question. Is there any advice that you haven't said already that you would uh, give to somebody who was in your position when you were starting? Is there any advice you would give to somebody like who's starting off? Well, you know, you you kind of have to learn to be your own best critic. You know, you you when when you're getting feedback from people, uh, you never. I mean, there are people that you're going to encounter that are going to give you encouragement. But okay, I'm just as somebody who's been doing this for a long time since we've been in in like the virtual world. Uh, a lot of performing songwriters are are doing performances through Zoom or we're having what's called songwriter circles or our house concerts where, you know, it might be 20 people and each person plays a song and a few people play three or four songs. And I hear, you know, I'll hear these performances and I'll think, one, it sounds terrible. Two, the person can't sing. Three, the person can't play. Four, the person can't write. But when they finish their performance, everybody applauds them and tells them how good they were. So you got to realize that you, praise you got to take with a grain of salt yeah. uh and likewise criticism what i'm really looking for in criticism because i know there are people who aren't going to like what i do but 
if there are people who understand what I'm trying to do, you know, because I want to communicate. So if people don't like what I'm doing, I'm asking myself, where did communication break down? Is it that they don't just like what I'm doing or or is there a different way I can approach this? Because what what you know what I find is you know the people talk about finding your target audience, but uh, you know we're really like refining minerals. We're we're, we're refining ore, refining ore into gold and silver. You know we're purifying what we're doing. We're we're discovering what is it that I'm really doing, and so you have to learn how to be your own best critic, and yeah. you, you end up having a few trusted voices that you got to internalize. Maybe a teacher, maybe a friend. Who's not always going to be around. You're going to know them for two or three months, but they're going to give you a lot of wisdom and insight. And then three years down the road, you're going to be asking yourself, well, uh, what would Joshua be saying to me right now? What, what, what would be my, you know, what would my friend Mike be saying to me now if he heard this from me? Uh, yeah. You know, but you got to be you got to learn how to be your own best tr- critic. And you do uh, you do have to trust yourself because you know? if, really if you're looking for external uh reinforcement you can't trust it yeah that's definitely uh important because uh a lot of i think uh a lot of people when uh when they're either in the beginning stages or when they feel they've gotten good enough and they don't need to improve usually what they're looking for is people to say yeah you don't need to improve keep going bro just uh a lot of confirmation that what they're doing is good enough and I think one thing that a lot of people become is complacent. They become complacent where they are and they don't think there's any room for improvement. And even I myself, like rapping for three years and making the stuff that I make, I admit that there's like a room for improvement and there's things I could fix. There's things that I could do to improve the final product. It's just never become complacent. And expanding on what you said about, uh, about criticism I think uh, a lot of times <laughs> when I was starting off, I would uh, not take criticism very well. It was uh, a big process, like starting off me learning how to take criticism and apply it. Me learning what's good, what's bad. And I heard from a friend of mine, uh, well, <laughs> you'll probably laugh if I say friend of mine, but uh, a person I know and talk to quite a bit, Roan, he said uh, something about, Try all advice, like try all criticism at least once so you know how to apply it, whether you know, uh, I so you know what's good, what's bad. Apply every piece of criticism at least once to see what they're talking about and uh, try it, like uh, test it and stuff like that. So, yeah. That, that's actually really good advice. <laughs> yeah, he's it's, hard, been, uh, it's hard. It's hard, though. I, I, yeah, he's been making hard. music since, uh, well, he made his first song in 2011, but he says he's been rapping for less because, like, it was on and off for, like, a, a little while. But then, yeah, started ma- taking it more seriously. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, see, and I'm sitting here, like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally out of the loop. Because, like I said, I, I I came to rap music as an outsider. I, I'm I'm more from, you know, poetry, you know, spoken word stuff. So that's where I where yeah. I connect with rap music. But uh, you know, since I work with kids, I'd always have kids, you know, kids that were locked up that loved music, and music was their only connection to the real world. So yeah. you know, they treasured it, and they would be burning me CDs. Uh, you know, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. And you know, I'm I'm kind of shut off in that ref- in that front now. I don't have any any young people in my life that are turning me on to you got to hear this, you got to hear this. So like a rapper like yourself, I don't even know what you're doing. I don't even know what's considered good anymore. I think uh, I think it's hard to pinpoint objectively what can be considered good, but everybody has a sense of. Uh... Like, uh, everybody has two different uh, things for good. There's good in the mainstream sense, like for famous rappers, what's good, and what's good for people of their skill level. Like, uh, for people like me and uh, people like my friends, there's stuff that we consider good that in the mainstream wouldn't be considered all too great, but uh, it's kind of like different uh, different standards, if you get what I'm saying. Uh-huh. But I would like to uh feel i'm getting to the point and a lot of my friends are getting to the point where we can uh compare ourselves to more mainstream acts and like uh get on the same standard 
as their end, you know? So, yeah. yeah well, mm-hmm. Okay, well, give, give, me a, give me a couple of classic hip-hop tracks that you would look to as like, okay, this is a song that, that changed things and that, you know, we all should listen to and learn from. Now I'll give a couple recent examples because I can't I can probably name like a cliched couple 90s rap songs but I think there are a couple rap songs that have been released within the past 10 years which have really and even albums that have like raised the bar like so fucking high that a lot of people like there's some rappers like Kendrick Lamar listening to a Kendrick album and listening to a Kendrick song like uh, I heard from a friend of mine McGizzy uh, he's a rapper that I that I'm friends with. He says, "When I listen to Kendrick Lamar, I think, why am I even rapping at this point? I'll never be as good as this." <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Uh, like uh, people like Kendrick Lamar with their albums, "Good Kid, Mad City," "To Pimp a Butterfly," and even more specifically, if we want to get into specific songs like "Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst" off of "Good Kid, Mad City," and like basically the entire <laughs> butterfly. I can't name one song off of that. that- doesn't like raise the bar so high okay like i think kendrick as well as like a couple other rappers have uh raised the bar for uh for mainstream rap so high like jake people like jake cole as well to a lesser extent because i prefer kendrick to cole but i think jake cole has also done a lot in uh in like raising the standard for mainstream rappers kind of wow see i'm patting myself on the back here because i i know i know Kendrick Lamar's music and I know J. Cole's music a little bit of it you know stuff that the kids, <laughs> the kids have turned me on to like okay oh I'm not as far gone as I thought I was yeah just when uh when Kendrick uh there's one song I go back to from Kendrick that uh, that just that I listen to and I think why am I even rapping at this point it's the song Mad City off of his album Good Kid Mad City and it's so it's so great like it's just it's a hard beat and like a mm-hmm. ah, car beeping outside. Let's ignore that. It's a <laughs> why. Anyways, I'll continue. Uh, the ki- song, song "Mad City" features a uh, rapper MC8, if that's how you pronounce it, and uh, oh, it, there's that. a beat oh, switch God. in the middle. Wow. Oh, car, wow. stop beeping now. So. Yeah, yeah. I, MC, you know, I, I never knew how to pronounce that guy's name either. Yeah. But uh he thing is what what I find interesting about him is he was like a like a semi-popular rapper in the 90s or something and he made a reference to like one of his bigger hits earlier on in the song. Like uh he referenced a song that he made in the 90s in the in the intro to his feature and like uh even the first beat like a uh, let me take you on a trip down memory lane. Just like the start of it to the end of it, the whole song just is so hard. I love. It. Mm-hmm. Let me take you on a trip down memory lane. This is not a rap on how I'm slinging crack and move cocaine. This is oh, this is it's so great. I love this. Wow, wow. But yeah, I think uh, we need to get to the point where. Uh, well, we I think we are at the point where. We need to wrap things up a bit, but um, just uh, I think we'll leave this section to place the the wrapping, like for wrap it up. So okay, alrighty. Well, I'll tell you what you guys mentioned uh, before we we you know started recording that that I would be contributing a song, and uh, yeah. you know in the spirit of of what we've been talking about, I'm gonna give you a little piece called "Call a Spade a Spade." Uh, which you know is a song that I've performed with my band, The Little Wretches, but I can also perform solo, just me and my guitar. And I'll hit you with uh, you know, it's I think it's fairly lyrically strong. I don't deliver it in a rap style. I mean, to me, the rap style oh, no. is when the the words are both conversational but also very rhythmic and kind of percussive. And uh, I I, I yeah. keep it more conversational, but uh, you know, I think it's lyrically strong. Uh, yeah, Anything relevant. Like, and, it can uh, be like a song where you sing, a song where you can rap. As long as it sounds good, or as long as you perform it well, we'll accept it. You know, yeah. like uh, well, we'll, yeah. Hey, well, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, you, you'll you'll be expecting call a spade a spade from me. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Okay, so I think uh, 
right now, I think would be uh, the, a good chance to uh, have you shout out any social medias you want to shout out, shout out any people you want to shout out, just any homies, like uh, just shout out like any social media you have or any homies and their social media, any songs, upcoming projects, just anything. So here you go. Just have okay. this time. Uh, all righty. Well, I, you know, I don't do much with social media. I, I actually, I've been around long enough that I, I, I pay a publicist to, to ge- try to generate, uh, you know, media for me. Uh, I'm not of your generation. So, you know, there are people who've posted old shows that, that I did, you know, a long time ago that they, that when they were when they were recording the show, I thought they were wasting their time. And now I realize that, you know, those were val- valuable moments in my life. But our website is littlewretches.com. Uh, there's tons of stuff on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you stream music, you could find the Little Wretches. Weird, weird thing. In the past year, we were we had the number one song on the folk rock charts in South Africa, and it's like, how in the world did that happen? Uh, it's a song called "The Ballad of Johnny Blowtorch." So you know, just just look for the Little Wretches. Uh, you won't be wasting your time. You'll probably find something pretty interesting. You know, if, wherever you are. Like I don't, you know, I got a Facebook page, but I I, I understand Facebook is for old people now. I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah so uh is that it if uh yeah littlewretches.com and wherever you find music so search for the little wretches you'll find it all it, right so uh i think uh just one oh, you want me to shout out some homies oh if you want to do that well you can do that well first of all i'm going to shout out pittsburgh pennsylvania even though i live in the philly area now I still represent Pittsburgh everywhere I go, the eighth most important city in the history of the world, legendary communities, Squirrel Hill, the Hill District, Homewood, Brushton, Manchester. Uh, I'd like to shout out my friend Brother Ash with uh, Brother Ash Productions. Uh, Great columnist in Pittsburgh, the legendary Tony Norman, who's also originally a Philly kid, now uh, writing award-winning columns out of Pittsburgh as a writer. And then, of course, for everybody out there who doesn't know, the Shakespeare of America was August Wilson. He no longer walks the earth, but his plays will live forever. So if you don't know the work of August Wilson, please find the work of August Wilson. And uh, so they're, they're not really my homies, but, you know, I, I treasure them. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting. Uh, and uh, just wanted to say a couple words. Uh, I'm glad you uh, had the time to hop on and glad we could have this conversation. I really enjoy doing this podcast because you get to m- meet like a, a wide variety of people. But uh, just wanted to say thank you for coming on. Thank you musically for uh, having me as a co-host, like being in the background for a couple sections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank the audience for uh, listening to what we have to say. Shout out to Little Wretches. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you already know who I am. I'm Jack. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, segment of uh, the Wrap It Out podcast. Hope you have an amazing day and uh, goodbye. Uh, music. Would you like to say anything before we leave? Uh, not really. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to hit us up on all our socials. Everything's on Wrap It Out podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and hope you guys have a good one and stay tuned for more to come. Bye, everybody. See y'all soon. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight as we dove into a wonderful podcast episode. Now, in this following segment, you will get a chance to hear this artist's showcase because every artist that comes on the show requires to do a showcase. So, Buckle up, get some popcorn, and enjoy the showcase. I hope you guys love it, and check out the artists when you get a chance, too. Hope you guys love it. Enjoy. Okay, as if this song isn't long enough, I've got to give it an intro. If you're into rap music, you ought to know the roots of the form. Uh, You ought to know about the last poets, you know, spoken word over percussion, the last poets. And from the last poets, we get... Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, Gil Scott Heron. 
Well, the song I'm about to play, uh, Call a Spade a Spade, was inspired by a line from a Gil Scott Heron piece, uh, a poem for Jose Campos Torres. Uh, Scott Heron says, it was a turnaround world where things were all too quickly turned around. It was turned around so up look down, it was turned around so right look wrong. It got so you couldn't even call a spade a motherfucking spade. Okay, you know, it was true when he said it, it was true when I wrote the song, and it's even more true today. So here's Call a Spade a Spade. There must have been an earthquake People clinging hard and fast With their grip so tight they were afraid to let go Even when the danger passed they closed the universities and turned them into vocational schools. From here on in there, keeping score in there, playing by the rules. Don't worry, mama. Don't be afraid. There's nobody left who's gonna call a spade a spade. says, well look here son, when a man walks down the street, if he's dressed like a million dollars, that's what everybody believes, he might not have a penny to his name, might not have an idea in his brain, but people treat him like he's got a million just the same Don't worry mama Don't be afraid There's nobody left who's gonna call a spade a spade My mother called off work cause she'd been drinking She needed Someone to blame And I was there You're not worth The blood I spilled When you were born She said It might have Shaken me up If I cared Don't worry mama of second-hand testimony isn't enough. But you, gentle reader with your coffee breath, you're more concerned about the spot on your tie. And if they don't print the whole truth, you're not gonna bother to notice that they printed a lie. Cause you're the hypoglycemic fodder for the candy-coated counterculture college boy throne. You're just like every dilettante who bought his leathers and a pawn shop guitar with your student loan. Your broadcast is sponsored by the Pentagon, government contracts for social research. And when you run out of ways to save, your rebellion is like going to church. When in doubt, be sarcastic. When in doubt, say it. And you'll be right 90% of the time So says the cynic who wishes he had the heart to do More than talk about a life of crime And then he steadies himself with the knowledge That he alone is witness to his own lies 
He says, forget free will, cause I've found something better called free enterprise. Nobody has the guts to say I won't live like this no more Because you always lose the first battle in revolutionary war Don't worry, my